I'm Sylvia Burgos Toffness, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. Good morning, Eagle Song. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sylvia. I'm well, thank you. Oh, Great to be here with you this morning. Oh, thank you so much. It was so much fun to meet you about a month Hi. ago. Yeah, we had some great deep conversations there up in uh, Wisconsin, didn't we? Yes, we did. But you're not a native of Wisconsin, are you? No, actually, I drove from Washington to the uh, Mycelium Mysteries Conference and just enjoyed the trip immensely because I could see the hawthorns from the ground and they were fruiting all across America. Now, just for a little background... Eagle Song is, as she's already mentioned, from the West Coast, and she has been an herbalist for many, many years, um, and a hawthorn lover for, oh my gosh, can we say decades now? Yes, decades indeed. Decades, right. And not only are you a lover of hawthorn, but you are a great teacher in the classroom and a person so willing to share what you've learned and your passion for this amazing shrub. First Eagle Song, let's describe for people what a um, hawthorn is, because I suspect lots of people have them living close by, but they're totally unaware of them. Yes, that is really true, Sylvia. And um, really, they actually are a tree that can be short like a shrub. Well. Most of the ones I've seen are at least six feet tall. Okay. But they'll go up to, um, well, they could go up to 30, 40 feet tall. Whoa. Which, okay. which is rare. And the the tree is amazing. Well, I call the, the genus, the family of plants, well, the name of it is Crotagus. And I call Hawthorne the generative genius. Why now? Why do you call it that? <laughs> because Hawthorne is able to um, create more of herself. How do you say it? She creates more of herself very easily, for one thing, and is uh, able to adapt to wherever she's at so that she can survive. Okay, so when we look at a hawthorn tree, and I tend to mm-hmm. have the shorter ones, I guess, on my farm. Yeah. What does it look like? Okay, so hawthorns, let's just talk about the ones we saw at your place for the first, to begin with, Wisconsin, where your, or your audience is mostly from. And yours were anywhere from, well, of course, from small ones, but the, the ones that looked full grown were about 8 to 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm which does lend itself to a shrubby um, appearance. And they have a, a, a leaf that's somewhat mitten-like or like a oak leaf. 
a pretty good sized indents on the leaf and serrated edges on those leaves. The fruits, well, first it blooms in May, early part of May, and then the fruits come in fall. So I was there in September, and your trees were leaning towards being over, but mm -hmm. they were definitely still good fruit on them. And the fruits are anywhere from red all the way through maroon to black, depending mm. on which species uh, that tree is. So they're incredibly variable. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to say this is what a hawthorn looks like. And that's one of the things that got me so interested in hawthorn because the books all say this is hawthorn and they tell you about one hawthorn. But there's 2,718 different species of mm -hmm. hawthorns around the northern latitude. And they, so they actually do go around the northern uh, latitude of the earth. Wow. So I'll, I'll try to describe what I see when I look at a hawthorn. And you kind of uh, either fill me in or correct me on what I'm looking at. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Eagle Song. So I call them or have called them a shrub because uh, they're shorter in stature, but also because they don't seem to have one central trunk. Uh, mm -hmm. They tend to have uh, multiple either sprouts growing up around that, you know, a thicker trunk, or there are multiples coming up through it. At least those are that I see on, on my farm. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the, the leaves, or the branches. The branches tend to uh, be easily reachable, at least the lower ones. Mm -hmm. So they're not they're not slanted straight upwards. They're more uh, of, of of a tree that has uh, branches that can easily kind of go horizontally. So they're easy to get to. Mm -hmm. um, the blossoms, which are just so beautiful in the spring, I think those are five petaled. They are five-petaled because hawthorn is in the rose family. Yes, they are in the rose family. So there are some similarities between what the hawthorn flower looks like and even the hawthorn fruit. So that's a very interesting aspect of it. The they're, other thing, they're similar to an apple. Yes. Now, is an right. apple also in the rose family? Yes, they are. Okay, so here we got to see some similarities. You're thinking botany now. Yeah, right. And the, tr the, the hawthorn trees on my farm are more than one species. Um, well, I'm not so sure about that. No, because, uh, <laughs> you know, even as we walked around, I noticed that on some trees, mm -hmm. the, the, the haws, the berries, mm -hmm. hung singly, while on others they hung in clusters. Ah, mm -hmm. So I don't know what that might be indicative of. Um, and this is one of the, just to, uh, for a second, this is one of the, the fun parts about hawthorns because they are so variable. Uh, not too many people um, will worry too much about identification mm -hmm. down to species, but to get the general idea of this is a hawthorn is what we're going to encourage people towards now right. rather than be super specific because... There are so many. Well, she's the generative genius. That's right. So even within a single species, you can have this kind of variability 
in, you can uh, have variability in certain instances, but the like the, what I always look for is the number of seeds. Ah, okay, okay, we'll get to and, that because that that's okay, one great. you corrected me on, and I was so glad <laughs> about that. Um, and let's see, I'm just sort of giving you my my kind of general understanding of, of yeah, what I see yeah, on the yeah. farm, and Good. then because uh, we walked around together, and that was so much fun. It was. It was a great morning. Yeah, the f the the berries that come in the fall. They well, I'd like to just intercede here. Okay. And this is going to be hard for people because every book everywhere says hawthorn berries. Oh, what do you call and them? But well, botanically, technically, they're fruits. Got it. And but I I'm like that. I'm not asking you to change what you call them. I just like she likes me to let people know that um, she's a fruit. Not a berry. You know, and I like that even better. <clears throat> I'll be real <laughs> honest with you, because when you actually pick one of the fruit, and they look mm -hmm. like tiny little apples, um, yeah. when you pick them and you bite into some of them that we picked that day, they, they have a slight, um, almost texture like a, like a little apple, and they can mm -hmm. be sweet. Not sweet. Oh, yeah. Not sweet like a, let's say, like a wine sap, but... Apple, but there's definitely something there. Okay, so, so what I enjoy about them is the flavors are really complex. Mm, and that's indicative it, of at a first really they're powerful. They're kind of off-putting because we think in our mind fruit, and then this thing comes, and it's it's not what I think of oftentimes as a fruit. But it it the the flavors of the um, or the taste of the fruit is quite complex if you really get down to it. And that's w a wonderful way to describe it because. Like so many medicinal plants and shrubs and trees um, and roots, as well as mushrooms, there is great complexity to them. Yeah. And that's so much of their strength and so much of their uh, value, uh, to, to not only to nature and to animals, but to us as people. Yes, and they remind me a lot of people. Because we have that same complexity. complexity. And, and, you know, that's really, really important when you are uh, studying herbalism, as I am, and you are an herbalist, um, Eagle Song, that when you think about tapping the amazing variety and help of nature in dealing with your own health and well-being, you have to not only understand the complexity of the plant, but the complexity of the human being in order to yeah, do things well. it's a great study, well. I have to say, right. In order to do things well, because one affects the other tremendously. All right, so we have these beautiful flowers that appear yeah. in the spring, and we have the fruit in the fall. And one of the things that I failed to mention about what I see on my hawthorn on the farm is that those branches bear not only these amazing flowers and, and fruit, but, man, some really serious thorns on them. Oh, right. Yes, the ones at your place are the serious thorns, at least an inch, some of them inch and a half, um, very sharp. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's so interesting, too. You talk about variability, Eagle Song. I, on some of those clusters of, of you know, the trees, um, and they have, I've got them all over on the farm. Some of the hawthorn trees had had thorns that were just an inch, and some of them had thorns that were 
two inches and longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now, so we, we've got the trees, we've got the thorns, we've got the flowers, we've got the fruit. Mm-hmm. And just to make it more fun than anything, it's like there are occasionally you'll find a thornless hawthorn. Yes. <laughs> but most of those are in cultivation. Like they would be in arboretums or people's yards. Um, not in the wild, you generally will see thorns. Wow. Now, in the hedgerow that I harvest every year, even the thorns are variable. No the kidding. Length of the thorn and the um, the presence of the thorns will vary on individual trees, but generally, they'll be similar in the species. Wow. Now, I mentioned at the you know start of our conversation, Eagle Song, that lots of people have hawthorn right where they live, but they don't mm. recognize them. And, yes. and some of them, because of the thorn, may mistakenly identify this beautiful tree as buckthorn. Oh, but not at all similar and definitely different uses. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, they were both in your um, pasture, if I recall. Yes. And interestingly enough, sometimes uh, what I have is a lot of, of thickets. So thickets is when you've got a lot of kind of trees and shrubs and other kinds of plants growing together in mm-hmm. these little ecosystems. I've got loads of those on the farm and very often hawthorn and buckthorn would grow together and intertwine. Mm-hmm. And because uh, the hawthorn is a thicket or a grove um, making tree. Ah. So she loves company. I remember looking around that one hawthorn up in the corner there of the pasture and there was a whole litany of herbs around the base of that tree. What fun was that? That's right, because you discovered that there was some, um, was there motherwort? There was motherwort, burdock, nettle. Um, yeah, I can't think of any others right offhand, but she was creating a habitat for many other species around her, and the hawthorns are what's called a keystone species. And what keystone species do is that they they make a place for themselves, but they bite, invite in all kinds of insects and animals and birds. So they, they create these really, what I would call, generative niches that, um, that really make the ecology of an area very diverse. Well, I'll tell you, they have been a, a real treasure on my farm even before I recognized what they were. Because as you saw on my farm, Eagle Song, we had, we had these thickets interspersed in the pastures and the cattle use them for shade Mm -hmm. and while the cattle use them for shade and they go around the tree of course as the sun shifts Mm -hmm. um the they keep down the burdock but Mm. but they but they um well naturally because they're there they're fertilizing everything around them so they were very healthy little what they look like little like as if we had planted them they're evenly dispersed little trees mm-hmm. yeah across yeah. one it's a beautiful fence line. example of a pasture shifting from grass into the first stages of a forest ah okay okay so is one of the ways of identifying let's say I've, I've, i'm interested in hawthorn but i've never seen this thing before is it 
is it easiest to try to identify hawthorn when the fruit is hanging from the trees? Well, there's two times to really see um, fruit-bearing trees. In the spring, really learning to, to watch the fruit flowers coming on. So I'm imagining there's all kinds of wild fruit in Wisconsin, cherries and apples and different um, fruit-bearing trees. And here in the Northwest, we have a real beautiful ongoing display of blooming trees through early spring, and those are all the, the fruit-bearing trees that bloom. So you can get a real good sense of where different fruit-bearing trees are in April, May, and just kind of watching those flowers success one after another through the spring. And then in the fall, it's the same way, watching for the fruits to come. And the fruits generally, not always, but generally come in the same order as the flowers came in the spring. Uh, A lot of fruit blooms before the leaves come out, so it's very easy to see. But Hawthorne, the fruit and flowers come at the same time. Hmm. I mean, the fruit, no, not the fruit and flowers. The leaves and flowers come at the same time. Right. And so our spring harvest of Hawthorne is leaf and flower. Okay. Now, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is that the fruit, you know, how do you, how do you distinguish the fruit of a Hawthorne from... Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. This is a great question because when I was going through the Midwest, I have never in my life seen so many crab apples. <laughs> yes. And crab apples and hawthorns are really, really similar. And so I finally got fooled enough times by the crab apples that I, fin- I finally started cutting the fruit in half um, crossways. And if it has one to five seeds in the center that are hard, it's a hawthorn. This is generally. And if it has a five-pointed star like you would see when you cut an apple in half, mm-hmm. it's a crab apple. All right. It so. was a really pretty simple, straightforward, um, you know, first attempt at getting to d- discern if I have a crab apple or a hawthorn. Got it. So when you cut these fruit, what you want to do is cut them around the circumference, like the yeah. like the equator of the of That's that right. fruit. That's exactly and right. And that way you'll get the profile of that star with an apple. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus and you'll, you'll those find hard a really hard fruit. And the name Crataegus, which is the genus name for Hawthorne, means hard wood. It also ah. means hard seeds, and everything about the Crataegus or hawthorn tree is hard, except the flowers and leaves. Yeah, so so the the, the wood itself, the, the trunk mm. and branches, they are tough, man. It's a very hard wood because the, the tree grows slowly, mm. and the, the wood um, fibers are really condensed. So it's just a wonderful wood for any place if you were building things that would um, would require a lot of strength. But it also has tremendous flexibility. It's not brittle. Hmm. So so, so things like tool handles would probably it, it be would one. It works really well for tool handles. They used to use it as pegs to hook chair legs together because 
the chair's legs have different stresses coming from different directions depending on which way they're, uh, if they're going crossways or upright. Mm -hmm. And so they would use a hawthorn peg to hook those two um, pieces of wood together sometimes because the hawthorn can flex with different stressors. Got it. Which I use as one of the indicators of what it's good for. You know, we, we try to get those, yeah, we try to get those different kinds of uh, signals Yeah, coming from a plant to help us un understand, okay, so what is this good for? So that gets us to that question. <laughs> uh, what is Hawthorne good for? You know, actually, I love this question. I used to not like it at all. But I realized that what the plant is good for, this particular Cretagus genus, is immense. Mm-hmm. Well, people generally want to know when they ask that question, what's it good for for me mm -hmm. when I eat it or when I take it? Um, and because hawthorn is, is a broad-spectrum plant, we could say, her um, attributes run all the way from food across the board to medicine. And depending on what part of the planet you live on, the medicine is different. Mm -hmm. So in Asia, the 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 hawthorns are considered excellent uh, food for the digestive system as a medicinal plant but also as a food it's eaten regularly and it's put in all kinds of things in mexico where i'm going in about two weeks the plant um, fruits are used as a really important part of a punch that's served during the winter months hmm. that is usually used as a festive beverage it's a hot punch with fruits and Hawthorn is the central star in Ponche, and it uplifts the spirit. Because when the heart is functioning well, when digestion works well, we become more mm, spirited, you might say. And then here in America, we like to reduce things down to mm -hmm. only one thing, like Hawthorne's good for the heart. And so I love that we can see this plant as a global ally that she's taught us in, in many different areas of the planet, the benefits of the of bringing Hawthorne close as an ally in you could have it in your garden, you can harvest them wild if they live around you and they live all over the United States, so good chance that there is one close to everyone listening. And um, yeah, so what's it good for? It's great in the, like in your pasture, it brings in the other animals, the birds come in, the insects come, the pollinators come. Um, I once stumbled upon a nest of coyote pups under a hawthorn when I was mm. harvesting in the spring. So you never know what you're going to find when you go out to find hawthorn. And what she's good for? Well, that could be about two weeks. In fact, we do a hawthorn, the hardy hawthorn the online um, adventure with Hawthorne. We go all around the world, um, not literally, but figuratively, looking at different Hawthorns and what people have found them to be good for where they are. Well, that, that just begins to open the door, doesn't it? It Eagles, does. Eagle yeah, song. Does. Yeah, and, and I think maybe we can take just a couple of minutes. <laughs> I mean, we could use like a couple of months, but a couple of minutes to really examine something that you just said a, a minute or so ago which is mm -hmm. in america we tend to look at a thing and say what's that good for and think of it mm -hmm. in those narrow terms 
-hmm. uh, and that's part of the medical paradigm, um, mm -hmm. the allopathic meta, meta uh, paradigm in the in the United States. I've got a headache, so I'm going to take this thing. I've got a stomach ache, so I'm going to take something else. Right. And that's even been the approach to how how science takes a look at our herbal medicines. I'm going to pull out this constituent from that plant and use it for this application. Mm -hmm. But herbs can have hundreds, if not thousands, of different kinds of constituents or chemicals or compounds within them which makes them useful for a big range of yes. things. And, and of course, we, we now know that the, the active constituent in Hawthorne is Hawthorne. Yeah, it's the whole plant. This plant asks us to shift our gaze from the, from the singular to the broader spectrum. Right. To, to right. open our our worldview even up to a wider um just open our gaze to a wider place so that we can see more virtue around us and also understand the challenges around us but um i think hawthorne's a plant specifically for these times because well number one she's easily accessible number two she's harmless in the sense that hawthorne's safe for anyone one to a hundred and one it's a food and a medicine and an ecological, you know, contributor. Yeah, I've obviously spent a little time with her. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, you know, this is the first of a couple of conversations with you, Eagle Song. So, Yay. yes, at least a couple. Now that we've ha we've started this conversation, because we've barely touched on how people can bring Hawthorne into their homes, into oh, their right. into their diets, and into their own home apothecaries. So mm -hmm. I think maybe what we'll do, so let's mention just one of those um, areas. So let's take a look at bringing Hawthorne, the fruit, mm -hmm. into the home kitchen. What are the Whoa. kinds of things that can be done? <laughs> you know, I've been having a lot of fun this fall with that very um, uh, practice, Sylvia. The Hawthorns have come into my kitchen this year, and I make oxymil which is an extract using honey and vinegar mm. with the hawthorne fruit and then we decided to try making a sipping vinegar where we use sugar and vinegar to, to extract the virtues of hawthorne we make hawthorne butter um hawthorne sweet and savory sauce which is a nice uh jumping off point where you could go to chutney or different kinds of savory sauces to use hawthorn as the base and this year for the first time i made hawthorn leather like fruit leather and wow is it ever good we're really enjoying it the, my grandkids were over the other day and they just totally loved it the bowl was empty by the time they left and it's so much fun to put a bowl of something out on the counter that the kids are welcome to graze as they walk by and to see it disappear oh my god a hawthorn leather you know, yes. that, that, that's something where you, you kind of made a sauce and then you dehydrated it? Yeah, I made it into a paste, put it through a sieve to get the seeds out, and then spread it out on, um, on racks in our dehydrator and let, it, and let it dry out until it was leathery. And so now the next thing I'm going to play with is taking it into pemmican. 
if I can mix the fruit um, with uh, meat and fat, just to give it a shot. (laughs) I'm on for that one, man. (laughs) Yeah, right? So, yeah, this is good. And I'd like to just invite people to, um, what I found, if you go to Crataegus, C-R-A-T-A-E-G-U-S, species, S-P-P, in Google, and and then put your state name, so Wisconsin, Washington, wherever you are, and then click on it and see where you go. Of course, they're going to try to sell you a hundred different products or a thousand for Crataegus or Hawthorne. But what you want to look for is um, where they are in your state. And I have been amazed how many different species are in the states that I visit because I generally do that before I go. I remember there were like 30 Hawthorns in Georgia. Wow. Okay. Well, so we've gotten to the, the end of our first mm-hmm. conversation and i'm going to say that we're not going to do a two-parter we're going to do a three-parter okay okay great yeah yeah the, the next one is going to be on how to bring it into your home and apothecary and okay. then the following one is going to be about your travels as you okay. have visited cretaceous around the world all right so eagle song where can people find out more about hawthorne all right so hawthorne you can find hawthorne at partyhawthorne.com and you can find me at eaglesong-gardener.com. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks. <laughs>